Good morning. It's Friday morning. It's the end of the week and we're headed into a three-day weekend. Memorial Day weekend is here. It's kind of funny. We just start opening back up, getting back to work, and we've already got a holiday. That's a nice way to ease back in to our work week. So it is Memorial Day weekend. That means we've got a lot going on and believe it or not, we're going to start off with a little bit of sports before we get into the outdoors and camping portion of the show. So we're going to start off talking about NASCAR. And uh, NASCAR racing started up last week, and they're running a little bit of an accelerated schedule for this month to try to make up for some of the races they missed. So we've got a couple of things that went on. Uh, last Sunday, they raced at Darlington, and uh, Kevin Harvick won that race, and they raced there again on Wednesday. Had some rain delays, but in the end, Denny Hamlin won that race. Now, both of those cup races went without qualifying, so they just used uh, points to determine the starting grid. This Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, that's traditionally the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, and we're running the race. Like the first two races, there's not going to be any spectators there, so we're not going to uh, be able to go see the race live, but of course it'll be broadcast. And this is the first race of uh, the post-COVID season where they're actually going to do some qualifying. So we'll have qualifying, I believe that goes on uh, Saturday, and then they will run the race on Sunday, and it will be a full 600 miles. Uh, there are two more races uh, this week. There will be one on Wednesday coming up, and then again on Sunday. And I know for you guys locally, I know I was very interested, the Spring Bristol race is scheduled for May 31st. So we're going to get our Bristol race in. It's scheduled for a full uh, 500 laps, so that's going to be nice. And uh, the fall race is still scheduled for September 19th, so Bristol will get both of their races. Even more exciting, according to NASCAR's website anyway, tickets for the races go on sale starting for the June 27th race at Pocono. Now that's going to be an interesting weekend because they've got back-to-back -back cup races Saturday and Sunday at the Pocono track. So you can get tickets for both of those and NASCAR is assuming that by then we will be able to uh, have live audience there at the races, which is going to be nice. It's a nice, uh, nice to see us going back to normal. And speaking of that, we do have some other news about sports and here in Sevier County we've got high school sports starting up again. Uh, according to Twitter, Jack Parton, the school superintendent in Sevier County, has announced that uh, conditioning, weight training, and drills can start up as of Thursday, May 28th. That's uh, a week from yesterday. So what that means is that our fall sports athletes so that's girls soccer, boys football, and I believe cross country is also the fall sport. It's either cross country or track. Either way, the summer conditioning and workouts can get started after May 28th. I'm a member of several uh, parents groups for high school football teams, and one of them announced that uh, the Pigeon Forge Tigers will start workouts right after that on June 2nd or 3rd. So we're going to see our uh, high school athletes starting to get back in shape and get ready for their season. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it's a nice, another nice sign that we're getting back to normal. Also going on, 
and we're going to talk about this more after we go through the break, is the Smokies are opening back up again. And they opened up a couple of weeks ago. A lot of trails opened up. Some of the secondary roads remained closed, but now those roads are opening back up and not everything is open, but we've got a lot more. So let's go ahead and put this up on the screen and I'll hit some of the highlights. So um, some of the new roads that are opening include uh, the Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail, the Greenbrier Access Road, but because of construction, it's only open to the Ramsey Cascades Trailhead. So it's not completely open yet. Um, other roads that have opened up now include Tremont Road and Upper Tremont Road. And you can find all of this information, and I'm gonna go ahead and pull up this website, right here. There we go, it's coming up. Here we go. So this is the current conditions uh, page for the Great Smoky Mountains. And I'm just gonna scroll up here. This map that they've got on here is now out of date. So you need to go scroll below and I'm working on getting there. There we go. And then we get into our uh, actual openings. The first one you come to here is May 9th through May 22nd. So that is effective through today. And now I've got a list of all the roads that will open on May 23rd. So you can also go up Klingman's Dome Road. The uh, access tower or the observation tower, it doesn't really state whether that's open or not, but at least you can get up there. So roads that are remaining closed after May 23rd, Abrams Creek, Balsam Mountain, Cataluchi, Elkmont, Forge Creek, and you can read the rest of the list there yourself. So that's a very good website. They keep it up to date pretty well to let you know what's open. Bottom line is we've got a lot more access to a lot more trails right now, and that's a good thing. Just as an example, if you wanted to go to Ramsey Cascades last week, you would have to go to a park there at Greenbrier Access Road and then either hike or bike about four miles to the trailhead. And then you can hike the trail to Ramsey Cascades and then come back. So you're talking about a 12 to 13 mile round trip hike um, or combination hike and bike. So now you can drive all the way to the trailhead and just take the trail to Ramsey Cascades, which is really nice. It's a nice change. So uh, the Smokies are opening up and what's allowing them to do that is the COVID-19 reopenings have been progressing for about two and a half, almost three weeks now. And while we've seen an end to the decrease in number of cases, we're not seeing an increase in the number of cases, at least not here in Tennessee, and certainly not here locally in the Knoxville and the Smoky Mountain area. And that means we're good to go to open some more things up. So other openings that we've got going on right now that are pretty exciting, we are now going to be able to open up our uh, theaters. And the theater shows, I drove up this morning and I was looking at the signs. One theater is opening up today. The uh, Button Hollow Civil War Theater has a show today. Uh, most of the rest of them are opening up tomorrow. Uh, I saw that uh, the Hatfield and McCoy's Feud is having a show tomorrow and doing the dinner. So that's ready to operate and the Lumberjack show is ready to operate. 
So all of these shows and all the entertainment, and I know Jim and James covered some of this on Wednesday, they're all opening up and they're operating in accordance with guidelines. So they'll have seating set out so that you maintain social distancing. So if you've been dying to see some of these shows up here in Sevier County, starting today and tomorrow, you can come up and see them. As far as attractions, we've got a lot of attractions that have opened up and uh, that's really helped us out a lot. And uh, let's come back to here. There we go, that's coming up next. So we've got a lot of good things opening up here. The attractions are opening up. Uh, some of our friends here that uh, we've had on the Morning in the Mountain show, they're opening up. Um, I'm sure Beyond the Lens will be open here shortly if they're not already open. And uh, we had the folks from Parrot Mountain, they're ready to roll. Uh, Soaky Mountain, the new water park, they're about ready to open up, so they'll be able to open. Uh, the CDC just announced that transmission of the COVID virus in uh, pools and water parks is not a risk, so I expect all the water parks to open up here shortly. Um, we're waiting to hear from Dolly, and there's rumors going around that we're going to get an announcement on Dollywood in the next day or so when they're planning on opening up. So it's pretty exciting time. Everything's opening back up. It's like we're a big brown bear coming out, or a big black bear coming out of hibernation. Pigeon Forge is open for business. Gatlinburg is open for business. The Smokies are open. So come on out and enjoy all the wonderful things that we've got going on here. All right, so before we go to break, we're talking about uh, getting out and enjoying the Smokies and the other things. I want you to uh, look at what some of the tools that you'll need to uh, go hiking. And uh, after we do the break, we're going to uh, talk about how to read a topographical map um, and why you want to be able to do that. And we'll look at a couple of pieces of gear that you may want to take with you on a hike. And uh, we'll just talk a little bit about trail safety. And then I'm gonna get out of here and get out into the mountains and start enjoying those and taking some videos so I can share them with you on the next show. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna start talking about hiking and moving around outside. So hang out. We are now streaming through Roku. Roku is a device that enables you to stream entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more Mountain Fun Life episodes. Mountain Fun Life, guiding your adventure. Being a successful business is a lot of work. 
especially when you have to design your own media projects and advertisements. Let us take care of your media needs. We offer a large variety of services such as photography, videography, print magazine, live streaming, and so much more. Contact our marketing today for a free initial consultation. Email marketing at mountainfunlife.com. We look forward to working with you. Parrot Mountain. This attraction has it all, whether you're two years old or 90 years young, with hundreds of beautiful tropical birds and thousands of flowers, plants, and trees. Folks who visited our park have said, I've never seen this many birds in one place. This must be what the Garden of Eden was like, the most beautiful and peaceful place I have ever been. These gardens rival the best, the best value in the Smokies. You'll want to visit Parrot Mountain and Gardens. Call or visit us online. We'll see you there. Hope you enjoyed those commercials. By the way, that sight saver uh, for your sunglasses, pretty awesome. I use those, uh, got a pair to try them out. Really like them. They uh, really keep my sunglasses in place. Um, I know they're primarily aimed at fishermen and outdoor sports enthusiasts. I use mine at theme parks and I will tell you that they have kept my sunglasses firmly attached to my hat while on roller coasters at a certain Orlando area theme park that isn't paying me to promote them, so I'm not gonna mention their name. But the Sight Savers are pretty awesome. They work, work very well. All right, so like I said right before we went to the break, we're moving into the outdoor portion of the show, and we're gonna start talking about some of the things that you may want to take with you when you go out into the Smokies. And one of those things is a good topo map. And I really like having one of these available more before the trip than during the trip. And I'm gonna take you through it and show you why. So I've got a close up that we'll look at here in a minute, but I want you to see what it looks like. All right, for you kids out there, you know, and by kids, I mean anyone under the age of 30, these paper maps used to be the only thing that we had in order to find out where we were and where we were going. Uh, GPS didn't exist satellites in the sky to tell you exactly where you are and to take pictures, they did not exist. So what did that mean? That meant you had these nice paper maps that took you all across the country. So we still use these for uh, hiking. One of the nice things about this particular one is the material is fairly sturdy. It's waterproof, it's not going to fall apart if you get it wet. It's hard to tear. I, if you really work at it, you can start to tear it up, but it's very durable and uh, it doesn't fade 
or stain if you get it wet so it's still useful. So I'm going to switch over here to this camera right here and give you a little bit more of a close-up of it and see if that's going to come in very well. Not really. So instead I'm going to switch to the one that I've got over here on the desktop. And when we look at this one, um, I took a close-up so we can see it a little bit better. And if we want to switch to this shot right here, when you're looking at the map, you can see several different trails coming off of the road. Uh, I've got uh, Cherokee Orchard Trail coming in from the top. You can see where it's marked there. The Twin Creeks Trail, Noah Bud Ogle Place up here at the top left corner. And you can see the loop it makes. The road that comes off of that loop is the Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail, which is opening up this weekend. And then we've got several trails that come off of Cherokee Orchard Road, including Rainbow Falls, the Trillium Gap Trail, and Bullhead Trail. Now, if you remember from last week, Bullhead Trail is the one that I walked on that I hiked up to uh, the top. And uh, so this is going to kind of show you what I did when I went up there. So when we're looking at a topographical map, all these little lines that are in here, those represent a change in elevation. So when I'm looking here and I'm seeing, starting off at the trailhead right at the bottom corner of Cherokee Orchard Road, I can see all the little lines and each one of those lines represents 50 feet in elevation change. So what that means for you and me is the closer together those lines are, the steeper the climb is. So when I look at this trail map and I look and see where it's going across those lines, if it's running along a line, then I'm not gaining a lot of elevation. Basically the trail is level. So that's going to be an easy part of the walk. If all the lines are really close together and my trail goes straight up across those lines, I'm hiking straight up into the air, which is hard. It's a heavy slope. So I can look at a topographical map like this and then I can figure out, all right, this trail, uh, let's look at the Rainbow Falls Trail from its start. And you can see it's running directly across a long series of lines. Uh, they're fairly well spaced, so it's not a steep climb, but it's a constant straight climb for uh, quite a ways. So that gives you an idea of how strenuous the trail is going to be, which is important to know for uh, brand new hikers like uh, most of us. So when I look at the Bullhead Trail, the first thing I notice is coming from that same trailhead, the Rainbow Falls Trailhead, I've got a half mile hike. You see the two red pointers with a 0.4 between them. That indicates it's four tenths of a mile between those two points. Then to get from the start of the Bullhead Trail up to the end of where it intersects with the Rainbow Falls Trail, that is 5.9 miles and then it's another half mile to get up to the top of Mount Lacan. The pulpit, if you follow the trail down, starting from the trailhead, and it goes through a switchback, that's the part where it goes back and forth, and it comes up, and then it loops around the top of Bullhead Mountain. Right there, about where it hits the uh, cross point on the map, that's where the pulpit is. And if you saw my show last week, you know, that's where I finished my hike. So I was still about a little over two miles away from the top of Mount Lacan. The other thing is if you look at the elevation lines, I was at about 4,250 feet above sea level when I got to that point. 
my starting point was a little bit over 2,000 feet above sea level. So I had climbed about 2,300 feet in that uh, three miles that I walked. If I'd continued on and gone up to the top of Mount Leconte, I had another uh, 2,000 feet or so to gain. Uh, the top of Mount Leconte is uh, 6,593 feet above sea level. So I was at uh, uh, 4,250. So I had a little over 2,000 feet in elevation to gain in another three miles. So the trail doesn't get much easier from that point on. You get the nice easy walk around the ridge, if you remember from last week, but then it gets steep again and it's a constant climb. But that's what a topographical map will do for you. Here's a skill that most young kids haven't mastered and most old farts like me can't do either, folding up a paper map once you're done. So, voila. All right, so that's topographical map. Uh, again, you wanna get one that's not printed on regular paper, but it's gonna be durable enough that you can take it, fold it up, put it in your pack, carry it with you. And again, it's a great tool for planning a hike if you're able to follow a map and uh, see where you are on it, it's good just to keep track of where you are, where you're going. Most of the popular trails in the Smokies are very well marked, very hard to get lost, very hard to get off of them. But if you like some of the more obscure trails or you do some backcountry hiking, then having a topographical map is crucial because it will tell you where you are so you don't ever get completely lost. Now, the other thing that we talked about uh, last week was hydration and I talked about the advantages and disadvantages of a hydration system versus a simple water bottle and I figured I'd bring a couple in today just to show you what I was talking about. So this and coming over to the, this camera here is a hydration bladder and you can see it's just a bag. That's all it really is. It's a bag. We've got a good sealing cap on it. Then we've got our straw that connects down here at the bottom and comes up to our nozzle. There we go. And in order to get water to flow, you have to do two things. One, you have to pull it out and you can see where it clicks there, right there. And then you bite down on this part. And when you bite down on it, yeah, you can see that where it splits open and that lets the water flow. So you have to bite down on it. And that two stage process, pulling and biting down, means when you don't water, want water flowing out of this, water won't flow out of it. And that's important because you don't want water leaking all over you. So when you go to look for one of these, you want to look for a couple of things. Down here where the straw attaches, some of them are just friction. You push it on and it stays on there. This one, it's threaded, so it screws in and out. And you can see it's got a very, you might not be able to see that, there is an O-ring in here. And that O-ring is what gives us your, the seal. So you want to make sure that when this is fully installed, that that O-ring, let me back up so that'll spin. There we go. So I've tightened that down. The O-ring is in here and uh, it's, it's uh, making a good seal so it doesn't leak. Before you take this out on a trail with you, go ahead and fill the bladder with water, put the cap on it, and then hang it up by its hanger and let it hang that way for 20, 30 minutes. And when you do that, and I'm gonna come back over here to the close-up, there we go. So when, when you do that, what you're doing is you're testing this right here, and now you can see that O-ring, okay? You're testing this seal right here, and you're testing the seal on the cap 
to make sure it's not going to leak on you. And you really don't want that leakage because where this sits is inside your backpack. So if this is leaking, it's leaking all over what's ever in your backpack and that's not fun. The other thing you want to look for when you're buying these and tying them out is how thick is this material? Is it going to stand up to the abuse of hiking and the weight that's going to be on it and sharp pointy things getting near it? So you want to make sure that you get one that has uh, some good durability to it. Now if you're going to go with a hydration bladder, the other thing that I'm going to recommend you get is one of these. And all this is is a way to hang it up and this you put down inside the bladder so it holds it open and that lets it air dry without getting moldy. And to use that, real simple, squeeze it down so it'll fit, put it in the top. Remember what I said, making sure it's durable. If your hanger pokes a hole in your bag, then your bag was too flimsy. So once you get it in there, bring it all the way in. The shoulders open up on the inside just like that. And now it's going to hold your bottle open so that it doesn't mold and mildew. And that's very important. You don't want mold and mildew in your drinking water. Uh, usually these are sold as part of a kit that will have a couple of uh, cleaning brushes so you can clean out your straw and the bag itself. So that's the hydration system. Now, as you noticed, a lot going on here, a lot of potential leakage points, a lot of things that you want to check out and make sure that it's working. On the plus side, it's very, very convenient to have this. This sits down in your pack, the straw's over your shoulder, it's right here, it's hands-free. Bring it up, pull it out, bite on it, and you've got water. You don't have to break stride, you don't have to stop, you don't have to look for it. And because this is hanging in your pack on your back, the weight is distributed very evenly. So your other option is the water bottle. Good old-fashioned water bottle. This is a branded water bottle. Uh, it's called Nalgene. Uh, you can get them with uh, other brands on them, pay a little dollar, a dollar or two more, and you can get, say, Coleman on it or whatever company you particularly care for. What's good about these is they're very difficult to break. So they're good for camping because they're very durable. And I've only got one sealing surface. I don't have to worry about the straw. And if I'm really thirsty, I'm not sucking through a straw. I can just dump this right on, on, right on and I can get water as fast or as slow as I want. So let's talk about how much water you need. In general, uh, you want about uh, three quarts to a gallon of water per day when you're hiking. And that's, that sounds like a lot of water, but when you're out there in the outside, you're exerting yourself, you're sweating, you're, you're working hard, you need that water, you need that much water. And there's several different things that water does for us. One, obviously it takes care of thirst, and that's very important. It lubricates your muscles, it keeps your joints fluid so you're not uh, getting hurt easily. Uh, it helps you stay alert. So the most important thing you can take on a trail with you is water. And that's what we want to do. So again, two different options, the bladder and the bottle, either one works. Um, and if you want to carry both, two is one, one is none. And the last thing we're going to look at is an actual day pack. Do you have to have a day pack when you go out to the Smokies? No. Uh, thousands of people hike every day in the Smokies and they don't have a pack. 
I carry a pack every time I go just because it's convenient. One, I'm a photographer, so I want to have my cameras with me. Neat little thing right here. This is a camera clip and the standard tripod head that you have on your cameras fits right in here. So you can just slide your camera down right on here. It carries it on your chest. It's easily accessible. It locks into place. You have to use this to unlock it and it keeps your camera where you want it, but it's out of the way and it's also accessible at the same time. So th this is a brilliant thing. I really like having these. I've got one on both of my packs, my day pack and my overnight pack. So if you're going to use a day pack, um, a couple things you want to look for and uh, they're going to cost you. I'm not going to lie, but in the end, you're going to be happy that you have them. And the first thing, the waistband, what the waistband does is it redirects the weight. So instead of hanging from your shoulders, it's down there on your hips and you can carry weight on your hips a whole lot better than on your back. If you're carrying it on your back, you are going to get some lower back pain. You're going to get some shoulder soreness. So if you can get a day pack where you've got this waistband, tighten up the waistband, loosen it just a little bit here. And most of the weight is carried on your hips and your hips are used to carrying your weight. So it really makes carrying a pack easier. Now, in order to be able to adjust this around, what you want is for this suspension piece to be able to be adjusted. This one is Velcroed in place. Now you can see I've got it extended almost all the way out because I'm uh, right at six feet tall. So I'm at the upper end of where this pack is designed. But if you're smaller, you can just take that Velcro down, slide this, until it fits, then stick it right back on there. And now the pack will fit better for someone who's 5'7", five, five, somewhere 5'5", five, 5'7". Five, five, so when you have this adjustable suspension, you can use the pack uh, for a wider variety of people. So you want that adjustable suspension. The other thing, and uh, we're gonna come back to the close-up view. If you can see, there's a gap here between the suspension and the pack itself. That lets air flow through. And when you've got air flowing through, you're much, much happier. You're gonna stay cooler and your clothes are gonna stay drier. You're not gonna get that big sweat stain. So it really helps to keep you more comfortable. Uh, if your waistband, your hip belt has pockets, that's great. That's a good thing. Uh, you can keep your trail snacks in there so that they are much uh, closer and much more accessible. Then the other thing I want you to look for, these web pockets on the side are very handy. You want to make sure that they're big enough for the water bottles that you've chosen. Uh, some water bottles are a lot smaller. This is a liter bottle and I drink heavily. So um, I use big bottles. So I made sure that my packs have a big network there, a big web surface so I can fit plenty of bottles in there. The other thing I like to look for is plenty of attachment points for extra gear. This particular bag actually has an attachment point for trail trekking poles, and we'll talk about those on another show. So we're looking at all the different things that are available on this pack. This pack has spots for a hydration bladder. And if you pull this up, you can see right there H2O and it has a pass-through so I can put my hydration bladder inside the pack 
and uh, run the straw out through there, down through this, and it's right here available for my use anytime I want to. So I can either use water bottles or hydration or both. And then the last thing that you look for is lots and lots of accessible pockets. This pack has pockets everywhere, and uh, so I can keep my gear where I want it. I can organize it very well. This is a fairly large pack as a day pack. It's a 24 liter pack. And if you are a minimalist, you could actually use this for an overnighter. Use some bungee straps and strap your uh, sleeping pad and your sleeping bag down here. Fill this with your food, your water, and your tent. And you can actually do an overnight hike with this pack. So it's far more capable than your basic fanny pack. So the other thing that I liked about this one and the reason that I got it is it has a rain fly. A lovely neon green, uh, neon green rain fly. So, but it's got a rain fly. So I can put this over the pack if it starts to rain and protect all the contents and keep them from getting wet. So just a nice little feature. It's not 100% necessary, but it does help. All right. So we'll set this over here. All right, so that's just a quick look at some of the gear that you might be using when you hike. Now, is all of this necessary? Whoops, I broke my microphone. Hang on just a second. There we go. There we go. I hope you can hear me better now. So if I'm sounding like this, I'm sorry, but it was my, my microphone broke, but now, now I sound better. All right. So, and thank you, Hannah. My engineer is telling me that, hey, you sound like, like uh, Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. So we fixed that. Oh, Mary has said hello. That's Mrs. Santa. She's saying, hi, hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I hope you like my, my new shirt. I was running out of Hawaiian shirts, so I had to get a new one. So. All right, so do you have to have all of these pieces of equipment? And the answer is no. The only thing that is a must-have out of everything that I just showed you is some form of water. And if you just grab a quart jug of water and tote it with you, you're good to go. Please don't ever go into the Smokies on a hike without some water, even if it's just a, a little 16-ounce water bottle or something like that because if you don't have enough water, you're not gonna be happy. You're not gonna enjoy, enjoy your trip. And if you drink out of the streams, you're not gonna be happy for 24 to 48 hours. Uh, the old joke, does a bear poop in the woods? Yeah, right in that stream that you're wanting to drink out of. So don't drink the water in the Smokies. It's not pollution, it's just the normal course of nature. One, of the, one show here in the future, we're gonna talk about water filtration, and I'll show you two of the different systems for that. Uh, there's basically three different approaches. Uh, well, two, two approaches, filter the water or purify the water. We'll talk about both of those and how they work. So if you're going in for three, four, or five days, you don't have to bring four or five gallons of water. Water weighs about eight pounds a gallon. So if I'm bringing three gallons, that's 24 pounds. Uh, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of weight to carry. And you haven't even started talking about the rest of your gear. So you want some way to filter water, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other pieces of gear, trekking poles, and compasses, GPS systems, and all that other good stuff. But I wanted to start with the basics. So as long as you've got water with you and you're staying on well-established trails, you're good to go. You can go on out there. 
Um, if you're going in more of the back country, you're staying for a couple of days, then you're gonna want a little bit more gear. Uh, but like I said, I always carry the pack because whenever I go into the Smokies, I don't care what the weather is, I know it's gonna change. So I always carry a raincoat in my pack. I carry a light jacket or a sweater because even in the middle of the summer, if you get up into the higher altitudes, the temperature is going to drop. So I always bring those two things with me. I try to bring uh, snacks to keep my energy up. I bring plenty of water. And by the time I have all those pieces together, a pack really works out. So that's all we have for today. It was a quick show. I went through a whole bunch of stuff pretty quickly. Uh, we will be back next week. And weather permitting, I'm going to get out onto some trails. Uh, Several weeks before all this COVID stuff started, I went and did part of the Middle Prong Trail. I want to finish that one up. Um, in the Smoky Mountains, there are in name 900 miles of marked maintained trails. In actuality, that's dropped down to about 750 miles that are still actively maintained. The other trails are still there. They're just in uh, not quite as good condition as some of the rest of them. So there's a thing called the 900 miler club where you've hiked every mile of every uh, marked trail. Uh, my brother, George, he's my younger brother. He is my guru on hiking. He's the one that's teaching me all of this stuff and I'm sharing it with you guys. He has already done his 900 mile. He's got his 900 mile certificate and he's working on his second time through. And uh, we're getting ready to do a loop to Mount LeConte. We're, we're going to go up Bullhead all the way to the top, hang out up there for a couple hours, eat lunch, recover, and then head back down on Rainbow Falls Trail. So that's coming up in a couple, three weeks, as soon as I get strong enough. So uh, I'll definitely be taking a lot of pictures from that and sharing that with you. And my goal is in the next four to five years to get my 900-mile certificate. So I'll be taking you guys on that journey. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, so we've got a lot going on. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm going to close with this. Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day is the day that we remember our brothers and sisters and parents who put themselves between us and bad things. They went out and they paid the full price for doing so. That makes us different from Veterans Day. And Veterans Day, we're thanking everybody who has served but Memorial Day is a little bit special. It's for those who served and sacrificed everything so that we can be here. So while you're out on the lake or in the mountains or barbecuing in your backyard, hanging out with friends and family, please take a moment to remember those who gave their last full measure of devotion to this country to their friends, to their family, and just give them a moment of respect for what they sacrificed. And then if you see a veteran or an active duty person or first responders who are those folks who are willing to put themselves in harm's way for our benefit, give them a, give them a hug, give them a thanks. Um, in COVID, you probably can't give them a hug, give them an elbow bump or something. But just remember, that's why we're having Memorial Day to recognize those that did make that final sacrifice. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I hope I'll see you guys next week. And uh, we'll have some more uh, hiking video and we'll have some more sports news. Uh, it's exciting for a sports guy like me. I don't know if you follow sports on ESPN. 
I was watching ESPN the other day and they were showing marble racing. Literally, they had marbles rolling downhill and they were betting on the winner. So uh, we've been really reaching here in the sports world for something to talk about. It's great that we're finally getting some sports going on again. And I love the fact that we're getting some signs that we're going to uh, have a high school football season. So that's really good. Will we have spectators there? My guess is yes, but we don't know. We'll find out later. All right, next week, same full lineup that we have for you every week. Different show every day. Lots of variety to keep you interested. Remember, every morning, 9.15, you get Captain Accurate, David Aldrich, telling you what's going to be happening specifically up here in Sevier County and in the Smokies. Then on Mondays, it's Frank and Kira. Tuesdays, it's... Uh, Santa and Mrs. Claus, and they always have something fun going on there. Wednesdays, Jim and James with their entertainment show. We'll have some performances in here. We'll also be talking about all the other shows and theaters that are opening up, uh, which means we can start doing some ticket things again. Then on Thursday, it's Frank and Kira, and Thursday is always a wild card. You never know what's going to happen. And then on Friday, you got me. So it'll be another good week. Hope you stay tuned, and I will see you next week.